Welcome to season three of the Lifestyle Chase, and I'm your host, Chris Little. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. To help this podcast grow, please share it on social media, rate five stars, tell your friends, and check out the past 140 episodes and counting. You can follow me on Instagram at Christian Little and at The Lifestyle Chase. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. All right, so welcome to The Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 176, and I'm joined by the one and only Dan Feldman. So how are you doing today? Like, what, what, how did your day start today? Um, day's been good so far. <clears throat> um, woke up at like 8.30, actually was uh, helping a friend move yesterday. So uh, had a night of recovery, I guess, from that and back at it today. That's actually really ironic. I was helping some friends move yesterday as well, so I feel like I got hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna well, be at it again today, but so it's it's funny. I think obviously, you know, I'm a competitive powerlifter. You know, you lift like uh, if you lift, if you're someone that is, is you know really into lifting, uh, you're the guy everyone wants when uh, they're moving. You know, so it's like I'm the uh, you know, I'm the man of the hour in those situations, as I'm sure you are as well. Oh, well, like, I mean, it's it's a point of pride, like having the capacity to help that many people move. That's like a badge of honor, you know, like, uh, yeah. with all that being said, I want to make sure that my audience has like a good idea of who you are. You might be new to some people. Some people are very familiar with you. Like, I know a lot of my trainer friends already follow you, but then people just in the general, like podcast community might not have met you yet so how would you introduce yourself sure well my name is dan i am a registered dietitian Uh, i've got a master's of science in human nutrition uh, also an online nutrition coach Uh, so i spend much of my time with uh, clients either online or in person for oh and i'm also a personal trainer so either uh you know uh, uh working with them as a registered dietitian medical nutrition therapy uh, or more you know, kind of nutrition coaching kind of stuff or personal training, either online uh, programming or in-person training. Uh, so I spend much of my time doing that. Uh, when I'm not doing that, I do a lot of uh, nutrition research uh, dissemination, I guess I would say. So kind of summarizing nutrition research for a lay population. I actually do some work for examine.com, help them with the uh, their examine personalized. So basically that's... Uh, uh, reading and summarizing uh, nutrition research, uh, you know, new nutrition studies, uh, you know, getting that to the public so people, you know, can scroll through our summaries of the uh, newest uh, research on various topics. So I help doing that, I help out doing that as well. And I mean, that's a big part of what stood out to you for me as a guest. I was just like, there's so many little rabbit holes that I wanted to dive into. And what I like about following your account um, is that you're able, like, you'll put out sort of like the, the Cole's notes of a topic kind of thing. And you're very accountable to the, the fact checking of that stuff. Like you'll, you'll cite the sources. If there's, I remember there was one post that really stood out to me and I think it was just, you were making like a correction to a previous post or something. And I was like, you know, not many people have the guts to actually just do that. And I was like, that's what kind of makes me want to follow a person. Like if, if they are transparent and accountable, that's awesome. Like I'll, I'll stand by that person for a long time kind of thing. Can you, can you expand more about what that process was like or what kind of influences you to be that way? Uh, sure. So kind of speaking, I guess I'll speak kind of specifically about, uh, that post and then kind of more into sort of my view of, of being a nutrition professional and, and, uh, getting information out there to the public. So that specific post was actually about salt. If I'm assuming I'm thinking the same post, dietary yep. sodium. Uh, and I had made a post basically explaining, you know, some, uh, you know, some, some uh, literature, meta analysis and some other studies that suggested that, you know, dietary sodium, because obviously we, we have uh, our dietary guidelines generally recommend for a general population to keep sodium intake below 2400 milligrams per day right too much salt high blood pressure heart disease etc and there was some research that indicated that maybe that wasn't uh, necessarily appropriate that you could get away with you know having a lot more sodium 
for a general population and, and maybe that 2400 mark really wasn't appropriate and it kind of explained some re some of that research uh and then it came to my attention uh that basically that that, that was wrong <laughs> um that that the uh research that i'd cited uh, had a lot of flaws in it without getting into too much detail and how they basically assessed dietary sodium. Uh, actually, um, uh, Danny Lennon and Alan Flanagan uh, did a, a review on their podcast back in, I think, February on the topic, basically explaining like, no, the, the dietary guidelines are, are pretty spot on with that kind of general recommendation of not um, trying to exceed for a general population, 2,400 milligrams of sodium. I mean, I can get more into the weeds of it, but, um, you know, and they basically kind of went through the literature and, and sort of explained the flaws in some of the studies, which are the ones that I happen to cite. Uh, so a few people, a couple of people brought that to my attention and I, you know, removed the post and then I had a, a big post the next day that just said in big letters, like, I was wrong. And then just kind of explained sort of, oh no, I was totally wrong. Like Daniel Lennon, Alan Flanagan, they cited this research, this research, this research. That's why I was wrong, my bad. Um, and you know, it's funny, I think that a lot of us in the fitness space, evidence-based, quote unquote, evidence-based fitness space, we tend to have, I guess, a lot of pride in what we do and, and we like to feel like we're the experts. I, I guess, you know, we, like as a dietitian, I'm sure I'm, I, I'm an expert, but we, we, we don't, we don't like admitting that we're wrong about stuff. You know, we, we, especially on that, like I've got 13,000 followers, especially in a large audience, we don't want to say, Hey, I got this wrong. Uh, there's a, a, even if part of, even if we kind of are presented with new information, uh, we, there, there's a hesitancy to do that because there is a fear that people will trust us less, um, you know, see us as, as having misinformation. So we want to kind of defend our views on things. And, and this, Honestly, this could be expanded beyond nutrition. This could be expanded to like political views, social, whatever, whatever. But, you know, um, and I, I am I'm trying to be really careful not to get into that trap of letting my ego get in the way of just getting accurate information out there. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I, I want to just get good information out there and help people and, I, I, you know, so if I have to correct a post about salt or something like that, um, there's no reason not to do that. And in fact, you know, kind of to your point, I made that kind of post saying, hey, everyone, I was completely wrong. And I got such positive feedback from that, which is sort of like ironic how people don't want to admit that they're wrong and sort of they, they kind of want to hold on to their views because they don't want to, you know, um, acknowledge that they don't know everything and that they're human. Uh, but when we do that, people generally appreciate that. If anything, it makes us more trustworthy because now you're going to be like, oh, Dan is someone who is, you know, genuinely just trying to get good information out there and will correct stuff if he's wrong. I'm more likely to follow him, which uh, I think a lot of us tend to, to, again, hold on to that. Like, I don't want to be wrong about anything ever kind of mindset, um, you know, but it's ultimately being more transparent about stuff and um, just genuinely just doing our best to get good information out there is a win for everybody. I completely agree. And I mean, just like the point you make about like not many people wanting to admit to being wrong or like not knowing everything or having to like adapt their process like it happens in like uh personal training all the time like you get all these different certifications or seminars that roll out and then people kind of adopt certain aspects of that and it's like it's this way or you're broken and it's that isn't necessarily progressive to helping the general population get more fit like it's not always going to be this way and it's going to be very context specific and a different person's interpretation might not necessarily wrong be wrong. It just might be a different way of, of getting to the end goal, like whether it be getting a person more active or getting a person um, more, more accountable to, to a healthy lifestyle. Like the, the list goes on. But um, something that I wanted to acknowledge is that uh, I actually contract out of the same gym as Andrew Coates. And so he was the one who kind of told me, he was like, you know, you should follow Dan Feldman. I think you guys would uh, see eye to eye on a lot of things. And like ever since like I kind of took that advice, I've 
been following you and I'll be like, yep, yeah, he nailed it. He nailed it on this one. So I wanted to acknowledge that. And then also give a little shout out to TJ Mims, who is someone that you I'm sure are familiar with. He's also a Lifestyle Chase alumni and uh, works with you with uh, nutrition coaching as far as I know, correct? Yeah, yeah, at Macro Zinc. Um, yeah, Andrew and uh, TJ, really, really, really excellent people. Um, yeah, I actually met up with TJ in, in uh, Vegas about a month ago. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I saw him in your story and I was like, there he is. Like, now I yeah. know that there's a connection. That's cool. And yeah. like, it's the beauty of like networking in this industry. Like, not like the sleazy MLM marketing, but just the genuine, like, find like minded people and see how you can support each other and like, have your strengths support the other person and vice versa kind of thing. Like there, there's room for everybody. And the more we're able to kind of pump each other's tires and like help each other, um, the more sustainable this career path is. Um, with that being said, I'm always curious as to like, what was the spark that started the career for each individual person? So for yourself, like what, what was your background? Like, was this something you were always interested in or did something happen or, or what, what's the story for you? Sure. So I'm going to try to be as, as I've got a little bit of a spiel, which whenever I'm on any of these podcasts or anything, I was giving a whole little spiel of how I got into nutrition. I'll try to kind of go through it kind of um, in, in an abbreviated version just to not waste too much time. But uh, yeah, so actually um, I, so this is probably common among a lot of fitness people. I was kind of like a chubby kid, eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old, self-conscious about being a little bit overweight. Um, and I actually, early in my life, actually something I've talked about on my Instagram developed, uh, disordered eating, uh, you know, and, um, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pathological disordered eating, uh, patterns and behaviors, uh, also body dysmorphia. So like around the ages of like 12, 13, 14, as I kind of went through puberty, I, I, if you were to like look at pictures of me, I kind of leaned out. Like by the time I was like 14 years old, I wasn't someone who looked like they had a weight problem. You know, you I just looked like a quote unquote normal 14 year old, whatever that means. Um, but I still saw myself as someone that had to lose a lot of weight. So so I kind of developed this body dysmorphia where I was trying to lose body fat and get a six pack from the ages of like nine until like 23. <laughs> um, even though like I, I really didn't really need to like lose weight or anything like that, you know, um, and kind of on and off had, had disordered eating uh, behaviors. So that's kind of like background. Um, now, actually, I didn't originally plan on getting into fitness and nutrition. I um, originally wanted to be a professional musician. Uh, interestingly, I uh, actually wanted to be a professional guitarist. I um, got really, really into guitar around the age of 14 um practiced six seven eight hours a day uh, mainly playing fingerstyle acoustic guitar if uh, you or any of your listeners have ever heard of a guy named andy mckee he's a terrific fingerstyle acoustic guitarist look him up uh huge inspiration of mine so got really into that wanted to do that for a living um you know uh, wanted to go to like a music conservatory ended up going to university of delaware because they had a really good music program Right before I started college, I realized I didn't want to do music because it basically, I was playing so much, practicing so much, auditioning that it wasn't fun anymore. So wasn't sure what I wanted to do, going to University of Delaware. Freshman year, took a Nutrition 100 class, just kind of randomly loved it. Uh, around that time, I was also starting to get into kind of some weightlifting, you know, just kind of basic weightlifting stuff. And then still kind of had the background disordered eating wanted to get the six pack blah 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 and uh met with my advisor my academic advisor and they were like you know you could do this nutrition thing or you could do dietetics and become a dietitian and i was like oh that sounds official i'll do that so i um decided to uh, pursue a bachelor's degree in dietetics which is basically the bachelor's degree that you need to ultimately become a dietitian so um pursued that uh, and kind of steadily over the last few, next few years in undergrad, gradually sort of using YouTube videos and whatnot, uh, started following people on, on YouTube and, and sort of figured out how to lift, followed people like Omar Isaf, who was, who was on YouTube pretty early on. Um, so finished my undergraduate degree in 2016, 
Um, and for listeners who aren't familiar, to be a dietitian, you have to do this undergraduate degree in dietetics and then do a supervised 1,200-hour internship about a year long. It's uh, unpaid and you have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars to do it. Um, I wasn't ready to do that yet, uh, but my school, University of Delaware, had a master's of uh, human nutrition program uh, that offered a pretty nice stipend. So I decided, ah, I'll do that, get my education paid for. Um, and actually that master's of human nutrition in that, I, I basically the, the purpose of it was to learn how to read and interpret nutrition research. Um, you know, that was kind of the focus, learning some statistical methods and just how to actually read research. And obviously did for my thesis, I, I did some research, um, you know, worked on a, on a, a um, you know, on a, on a, um, on a study for that. Uh, so did that for a couple of years continuing to uh, lift, started following uh, Mike Matthews and did his um, bigger, leaner, stronger stuff. Um, that brought me to 2018 and decided to do that dietetic internship uh, at, uh, in New York where, I'm, uh, where I was located, you know, after school, did that for a year uh, and then passed the board exam to become a dietitian in 2019. Uh, started to, I think I started to take clients in late 2019, um, sort of like for my own private practice. Um, and also during that time, I uh, took a job actually in long-term care. So working in nursing homes as a dietitian. Uh, so started that in July of 2019 while kind of building my business up as well with ultimately the goal of wanting to work with the um, uh, kind of general population or lifters on, on nutrition and whatnot. Uh, also around that time, 2019, I actually got an article published um, from uh, Lane Norton, like on, on his website. I uh, published an article on high fructose corn syrup. Um, and up until that point, I, I had maybe like 300 followers on Instagram. Uh, and then he started sharing, like he shared the article and, and shared me on Instagram. And I got up to like 2000 followers from that. Uh, so that kind of started the Instagram thing, um, you know, and during that time, 2019, 2020 started to, uh, incorporate some research on my Instagram. So kind of like, uh, summarizing, you know, topics or meta analyses of, of, um, nutrition topics, be it like saturated fat or eggs or whatever, um, to kind of get some information on, on my Instagram. Um, also during this time, I was obviously working in, long-term care and nursing homes in Queens and Brooklyn during COVID, uh, you know, so to kind of a hectic time. I finally quit that long-term care job in September of 2020 to do my own stuff full-time. That same month, I started working with Macros Inc. doing nutrition coaching. Um, started in October of 2020, working with Examine. Um, and I've also been taking my own clients since then. So I got, got my personal training certification last year too. Um, and that brings me, it's 2021 now. Uh, obviously, that's, that's kind of an abbreviated version of my life story uh, as it pertains to nutrition. But um, yeah, that kind of brings me where I'm at now. That's awesome. I mean, the way that you summarized that was perfect. It kind of like gives those connecting pieces that a person would need. I mean, there, there are a lot of uh, people who listen to my show that are going to appreciate someone who's like had like problems with body image or eating disorder or anything like that, especially when it's like the, the cover image that I use for this show is you powerlifting. So people are going to yeah. look at that and they're going to be like, well, whatever, like he's not relatable. And then they're going to listen to the show and they're going to understand. That's kind of like, that's what I want for this show is for people to, to learn to like hear a person's story and uh, hear how the more you deeply connect with a person, whether it be that they're exactly like you or they're not exactly like you, the more you can be resilient in tough times and the more that you can uh, feel like you're not alone. Because um, in some cases, like people feel like they're the only ones who struggle with mental health and then maybe someone in the fitness scene says, well, like if you struggle with mental health, you are you're irregular like you you are different you're you're not normal kind of thing but the truth is probably most of us struggle with mental health in some way shape or form or we struggle with body image or we struggle with with our own nutrition in some way 
And uh, so your your ability to tell your story was very, very important to the show. Um, yeah. Something that uh, kind of popped up into my mind was just like, all of these different like transitions, the jumps from thing to thing. You talk about the requirements of uh, becoming a dietitian and the internship, and like, a person would look at that situation and be like, "Well, this is impossible. Like, how how am I supposed to do all this stuff? Like, to be able to do this thing unpaid, or be able to go through all the schooling, or to be able to study for this extended period of time." Did you ever have a moment in that journey where you're like, you know what? I, I give up. Like, did you ever have a moment where you felt like it was too much to like go through that whole educational process or was the fast, the, the passion fiery enough that it just kind of kept you going? So there were a lot of moments where I thought not, Oh my God, I, I can't do this, but Oh my God, can I curse by the way? Yep. Okay. Okay. I, I thought, Oh my God, this fucking sucks. Like this is really shitty. I hate doing this. A lot of those moments. I still have those moments. You know what I mean? Like I, I like like just just of like absolute overwhelm, um, and absolute like how can I possibly do this? Like I I and I think that having those feelings of holy shit, how can I do this? Of oh my god, I'm overwhelmed. That is a sign that you're stretching yourself to grow. Okay, if you never have those moments where you always feel like everything is doable. Um, you know, that, that might be a sign that maybe like, you know, that, that you can grow a little more, you know? Um, cause yeah, of course, none of this stuff is easy doing all of that education and, and doing the internship. And, and I mean, the internship, like it was a lot of, a lot of clinical, um, you know, like long-term care, working with patients who were like over 600 pounds food service, which is not something I'm particularly like has any like relevance to what I do. Like just, just like being able to sort of do all that stuff and sort of have that sort of intrinsic motivation, keep going, you know, while you're doing it um, is really, it's really an important skill just for, for life in general to, to be able to do things that feel shitty, to be able to do things that feel shitty and you know that they feel shitty and that they're uncomfortable. You don't like doing them, but you do them anyway. That's a really important skill for life. Um, that, that, skill will get you through a lot of um, life difficulties beyond just fitness, beyond just your career. Um, it, it kind of is a skill that applies to everything. And actually, you know, what kind of taught me this, ironically, was um, guitar, was, was, was music. Um, because I, you know, was like 14 and I decided I wanted to be a professional musician. And I... You know, I'm someone like I really go after things. I, I, I'm not someone who actually exactly has a balanced personality. So like I said, I would practice seven hours a day, eight hours a day when I was 14, 15 years old. And my thinking was like, okay, this, this is not necessarily fun, but this is what I have to do to be, be, to be the best, to be a, a great guitarist. And I'm going to fucking do it because it's just, I know it's supposed to be hard, but you know, it's supposed to be hard and that's what makes it, what makes it, um, worth doing. And that, even though I didn't become a professional guitarist, like that, uh, skill set of being able to do the hard thing, um, has been a major reason for the success that I've had so far with, with most aspects of my life with lifting, right? It's not, it's, as I'm sure, you know, building muscle and, and increasing your, your lifts takes, uh, a lot, a lot of time and a lot of boring training. The best training programs, in my opinion, are relatively boring. They don't change week to week that much. Um, you know, but, but, but what makes it successful is that you just kind of stick with it. You stick to the principles, you just, um, push, push and stay patient and you get the results. Um, and the same thing applies with the internship, as you mentioned, like it sucks, but you just kind of put your head down and do the work, you know, um, building, but I'm a following on Instagram. Uh, it's a lot of tedious posts and, and a lot of work, but you just kind of keep doing it and, and keep putting yourself out there. Um, with business, it, it's all, it, it, it all kind of intertwines. So that, again, that ability to do hard things and to know why you're doing them um, and to sort of embrace the hard or embrace the suck, I guess, is, is um, really, really, really important for any 
endeavor. So I know I kind of went on a little tangent there. Uh, I am very caffeinated today. So, um, but, but hopefully that kind of explains a bit of my mindset when I was going through that educational process. Yeah. Well, I mean, you answered it perfectly and you kind of highlight a lot of things that are important for people to realize, especially in a time like here in Edmonton, like gyms are still closed. And so people are going to be facing a bit of adversity. There's, there's gyms that aren't coming back from the pandemic. There's trainers that are leaving the industry and like, my biggest thing that I hope if anybody's listening to this that they understand is like there are things that happen in your life outside of your fitness, nutrition, career that are going to help you. And if you forget about those things, then you're missing out on an opportunity. Like whether a person used to work retail, whether a person did web design, like these things, this willingness to like put up with, with what is that feeling of growth is going to help you in an obstacle within whatever your chosen career may be. And so like my example that I often reflect on is like, I used to be a competitive cross country runner and I trained probably the hardest out of anybody in my school. And it was a small rural school. So it wasn't a big, a big feat, but I worked my ass off because I kind of, uh, the, the funny story is I first trained hard for the cross-country meet because I was dating a girl that was like 60 kilometers away. And so in order to race at the same meet that she was at, I had to make it to the districts. And then I, had, I think I had to make it to regionals to see her again. So I, I initially trained hard just because of a girl. And then I became passionate about cross country. My dad had always been a long distance runner. Um, so I kind of took a, a sense of pride in, in doing something that my dad is good at. And yeah. then I pushed myself and I, I learned how much my limit was because at one point, like it was a, a, com- a competitive race. It was in like a September day and it was absurdly hot. And when I was running, my feet started like feeling like they were burning. And then like my vision was going like in and out, like things were foggy. Like I remember like little chunks of the race and I just kept pushing myself. I was like, if I just keep pushing myself, I'll be able to make it. And that's when I realized like how much is too much for pushing myself. But then that's also sort of where I realized that like what normally feels uncomfortable is nowhere near my breaking point. So I ended up getting taken by ambulance to the hospital and I like don't have memory from the point where like it just blurred out and then I woke up in the hospital and my family was around me and I had severe heat stroke. I was like foaming at the mouth, twitching on the ground. I think bile was coming out of my mouth. Like it was just a mess. And some of my teachers thought I was going to die or thought I had died. But um, it taught me that like most of the time when we're like, oh, I can't do this. Like we're in the middle of pandemic, like we have some obstacles and we're like, can't make it through this, can't progress, can't, uh, can't dream big. You can, you have the capacity to, to move to that next level. You have the capacity to work that bit harder because like your feet aren't on fire. Like your vision isn't disappearing. Like you have more. And that's something that I've used for myself and on on a lighter note i've used like experiences in past jobs and i think the more that people are able to do that is going to help them whether it be that they're chasing big academic achievements like anything within any schooling is going to be a challenge whether it's somebody who just wants to get maybe somebody wants to get the precision nutrition cert- certification or they want to get the mnu certification and they just kind of feel like it's difficult well, it's meant to be difficult, and that's what helps you grow, and that's what's going to get you the next step. Um, so that was my tangent. <laughs> We're yeah, one for one. Yeah. But um, something that you highlighted in your story that I really respected and admired recently was uh, you are playing piano one evening, and it was just kind of on the topic of mental health. And yeah. you, you showcased to your followers that we all go through it, Um, something that I got out of it was just the fact that like people that people that the average person might think are, are like, just, they never have bad days. They have bad days. And I think the more that we talk about that, um, the more we're able to support our general audience. Um, can you kind of expand more on, on that topic on how, how music helps you, et cetera? Yeah. So just kind of a more general, uh, it's funny. I was actually talking to my best friend who I was helping move (laughs) yesterday, we were literally talking about this yesterday, uh, how um, 
when you see a public personality, it could be like an actor, for example, um, what you see them is of them is what they want you to see. You know, if you see Ben Affleck or whatever, uh, whether it be obviously movies and TV or even on talk shows and um, just in general, everything that you know about them, unless you know them personally, everything you know about them is what they want you to see. It's what he wants you to see. It's through that sort of um, act of, of public persona. Um, so you don't really know that person. You don't really know any of these public people. Um, like, you know, and same thing with people that you follow on Instagram. Um, even as if they are transparent, like I'm, I try to be relatively transparent, but still I'm not putting my entire life on there. There's so much struggle that I go through that no one sees, no one sees, trust me. Um, and I'm sure that the same is true for essentially anyone that, that has any sort of public platform. You don't know them. I mean, it, 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 you, you, unless you know them personally, and even then, um, you really don't know what they're going through. You don't, um, you see what they want you to see. Do you see what they want you to see through your phone, through your screen, through your computer, through your TV? Um, so, and that's important because like you said, many of us, most of us have some, also have struggles with mental health, be it just kind of some anxiety or stress here and there, be it really serious mental health issues, um, taking medications and whatnot. And when we are going through that, it's easy to feel like we're alone because most people aren't talking about it, or even if they are, we still don't really get to like see it or experience it. You know, we, we just see this person on Instagram with their cute selfies and then with their uh, attractive significant other and their dog and, you know, eating, uh, you know, eating like if it fits your macros, whatever. Like we just see kind of this idealized version of, their highlight reel, we don't actually see what they're going through. And we're generally uh, scrolling through our Instagram or whatever when we are, not when we're out having fun, being social, living life, but more like when we're alone, we're at home and we're bored, we're more vulnerable to um, negative thoughts, negative emotions. So there's a real issue there where we can kind of fall into that comparison trap where we're feeling kind of shitty for whatever reason, feeling a little bit lonely or just kind of going through something. We're scrolling through Instagram and see our, our favorite personalities living life on the beach in Poconos in Hawaii with their, with their dog and their six pack and their model wife. And, and you know, we, we see this idealized version of that person, but we don't actually know that person. We don't have the information to compare ourselves to them in a fair way. Because for we don't know what they're going through. We don't know their financial situation. Um, you know, we don't know what, you know, if they're struggling with anxiety, depression, worse uh, mental health issues. Like, we don't know. And it's really easy to lose sight of that. Um, and it's one thing that can... You know, social media is great, but it also can blind us in, in certain ways and, and kind of distort our perception of our lives in comparison to others and, and can make us feel worse about our own lives, um, which is is not not a great thing. So kind of circling back, obviously that night, like I, I was, I also, like I mentioned, I'm a musician, I play guitar for piano, um, and I just had been going through just a, a big increase in workload and just just a really, really bad um, mental health night. And I was basically just playing piano and just had to switch, sit some captions. And I was like, hey, like, I'm going through some some really bad shit. Like, if you are too, you're not alone. And this this kind of stuff happens. And it's, it's it, it, it passes, but it's part of life. And just to kind of serve as a reminder to, to anyone um, that, you know, the fact that I'm on Instagram and I'm lifting heavy weights and, and doing the nutrition research stuff and have 13,000 followers, like that doesn't, that doesn't really, you know, that, that it, it, it can create an illusion that I have this like amazing life or whatever or anything like that. And that's just not the case. I, I have my own share of difficulties and struggles as we all do. Um, and I think it's just important to be reminded of that, you know. 
Absolutely. I mean, the the biggest part of why that stood out to me is like you kind of outlined it. Like we're on our social media when we're spending time by ourselves. We're not on our social media where when we're like enjoying ourselves. It's not like when we go on a holiday we're like on the beach scrolling other people's stuff. Like certainly we might check if people like stuff. We might check if people like liked our post or we might tell people like what the new thing that we did was, but we're not like in, in our deepest thought during that time. And just the, the timing of your post playing piano and stuff was impeccable because I'll be totally honest. I was having a bad mental health day and in seeing you just be honest, it helped me. I was like, that's, that's my bro. Like that, this is a guy that I can relate to. This is making me feel like I am normal. Like I, it's, it's okay. It's that, that phrase, it's okay to be, to not be okay kind of thing. Um, and I think in being able to just, just say it and just be, um, authentic in how we show up in the world. Like, it's not like we have to be doom and gloom and everything that we put out into the world. But if we kind of give people those connecting pieces to, to help everybody kind of feel that they can be all right in, in their own skin in any capacity, then, then we're actually helping versus if we kind of make it, make it seem as though if you're anything but sunshine and rainbows, then you got to get checked out kind of thing. If we, if we said that fitness and nutrition was going to solve everything, that wouldn't necessarily be true because I think we can both agree that sometimes it's a much bigger picture. Sometimes it takes help from very qualified professionals. Sometimes it takes help from medication. Like there are so many of my friends in the industry who take antidepressant medication and they're also some of my strongest friends. And so there, there's no stigma to it at all. Like if anybody feels hesitant to seeking the help that they need for their mental health. Don't, don't feel hesitation. If you need people to kind of have your back, we're two guys that I'm sure would have anybody's back with regards to that. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to highlight that because I thought it was really important. I don't think that, uh, we can talk about it enough. Like we can always talk about it more kind of thing because that's what's going to help a person live a long and abundant life. Like a person can kind of read between the lines there. Like if you want to live to be 90, you're going to have to talk about these tough moments and, and figure out uh, how to get through them. And like, who, who are your people that you can kind of see yourself in the same situation kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like I, I respect, admire and appreciate you for being who you are. Um, with regards to back to like career and stuff, you've, you've kind of had some big moments in the last, couple of years, like starting up new jobs, new roles, new anything like that. What's the one that made you the most proud that got you the most fired up? I mean, there's been, I don't, I don't know if I can necessarily choose one, you know, because there's been a lot of really, really, uh, I've been really fortunate in a lot of ways, you know, uh, having, Lee Norton share my, uh, my article back in 2019 that kind of helped, helped people start to know who I am and that I exist, <laughs> you know, and that was, that was really awesome. Uh, Lane is someone who I really respect and admire, um, you know, um, uh, getting to, and, you know, continuing to work with Macros Inc has been terrific. They're a phenomenal company. Um, you know, a lot of really, really, really uh, fantastic people there. Brad Dieter is is absolutely terrific. Um, you know, obviously working with Mac Zinc is, I mean, uh, with uh, Exam has been it's been a huge honor too because they are a company that I've looked to for a, you know, for 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 a really long time, really since I've been in the nutrition space for evidence based information. Um, and you know, I obviously. I like to think I can, I can, you know, read and interpret nutrition literature pretty well, obviously it's what kind of my master's degree was in, uh, but still the fact that they value me enough to hire me and, and, and to have me be a part of their team, um, was really meant a lot, you know? Um, so I know, I know I can't really, I'm kind of <laughs> dodging your question and that I'm not really picking one, but, um, you know, I've just been, I, I guess I've just been, uh, 
very fortunate in that I've been uh, kind of had the attitude of I'm just going to like work really, really hard uh, towards things. And, you know, eventually things kind of start to work out. And it's, and it's been funny, like, it's kind of cliche to say, I'll oh, just work really hard. And then the opportunities will come. Like, there were a lot of times where I like, where I kind of was like, oh my God, this is like not going to work out this career thing. Like this, this fitness thing is not going to work out. You know, like I, I quit my long-term care job. Uh, like I mentioned in September of last year. Uh, and, and, and listen, uh, being a dietitian in long-term care is, is no joke at all. It's, it's, it's very, very critical population of, you know, older people, people with mental illness, um, especially during the pandemic. Uh, it's been an, literally an essential job. So I was going in every day and, and it's, it's those people who work in long-term care, dietitians, nurses, doctors deserve a hell of a lot of credit. They deserve so much fucking credit. So I don't mean this in any way to be disrespectful um, in that way, but um, it wasn't for me. You know, it just wasn't what I kind of became a dietitian to do. I wanted to do more of the helping people, fitness stuff, uh, nutrition research stuff. So I quit that job in September of 2020 uh, when it was a high paying job. It's a steady job. It's a COVID-proof job. I mean, as steady as you can be to, to um, really live a life of uncertainty. And there have been definitely periods since then where I've been, uh, you know, kind of like, oh, my God, is this going to work? And, um, you know, I've just kind of kept going. And, and even when I kind of have doubts or whenever other people have doubts, I just kind of keep working hard and keep trying to help people and, and putting good stuff out there. Um, eventually things have fallen into place. So yeah, I know that again, doesn't quite answer your question, but um, no, I mean, I could do. when, when you're answering, you're giving me some, some good ammunition to kind of like spin it around and go back to you kind of thing, because yeah, a lot of people are looking to start something. Maybe they're looking to start writing articles. Maybe they're starting a podcast. A lot of my local friends have just started a podcast. And I always warn them. I'm like, you got to just assume that you're taking on a part-time job and you're not going to get paid for it. So if you want to take on a part-time job and not get paid for it, start a podcast. But if that doesn't sound good to you, consider if you want to start a podcast or not still. Because it's a time commitment it's a long game. I mean, this is episode 176 and like, I'm still not, still not one of those popular podcasters, but yeah. the way I look at it is it's kind of like your body of work. It, it's similar to kind of how you did all these things and then you got promoted by people who themselves have this great body of work. And it wasn't necessarily because you got lucky It's because you did so many things that amounted to that moment. And then your Instagram account grew because you had done all the tough work. Like you stuck it out. You kept going. Despite any doubt that you had, you kept chipping away. And that's kind of how this stuff works. Like the number of times that I've kind of looked at my podcast, wondering if anybody's listening and been like, should I just call it? Like I've had people, uh, they've brought up the point that maybe, maybe I should just like stop doing the podcast. Maybe it's draining me too much. I'm like, no, like, it's just like the cross country and knowing my limits and kind of staying within it, but training to get to my goal or like practicing to get to my goal, like continually, um, refining and, and taking that, that, uh, feedback similar to what you did with the sodium study um you you took people's feedback you refined it you got better um a lot of people saw that in you and they'll be with you for the long term whether it be peers in the industry people that will connect you with opportunities in the future like that stuff pays off so i'm hoping that people are like getting those lessons like i know I can imagine I probably have one or two new trainers that listen to this show and I genuinely hope that they take advice now and then. Not that not that this is the ultimate advice, but some of it is helpful, especially when when gyms are closed here. Um, with all of that being said, there was, you did some, well, I mean, I imagine you've done work on all kinds of things with the nutrition, just delving down the rabbit hole of things. But a topic that comes to mind for me is creatine. Like creatine being something that I think is very valuable for the general population, but there is some minutia to that. 
So if you wouldn't mind, would you be able to kind of expand, do a little bit of a TED talk on creatine and the benefits and um, just like what people might often like maybe misinterpret as to the uses of and the benefits of it? Sure. So just kind of speaking more to a bit of a general population here, because a lot of, you know, lifters, people in the evidence-based community might already be sort of familiar with the basics of creatine. But basically, um, creatine is one of the few supplements that actually it's like, actually kind of works (laughs) with regards to strength and muscle and stuff like that. Um, You know, most non-non- steroids like stuff that isn't steroids or illegal stuff that supposedly builds muscles isn't like really effective but creatine actually has number of benefits for uh strength and muscle and perhaps general health as well so uh creatine uh when we consume creatine and we can consume creatine in supplement form it, it also is found naturally in uh, i believe beef uh so there is some food source of it um beef and and certain animal meat um we basically increase our stores of uh, phosphocreatine, phosphocreatine, phosphocreatine or phosphocreatine. Sorry, my brain is still a bit fuzzy, but uh, we increase our stores in our muscles. Um, and this uh, uh, phosphocreatine um, in our muscles basically helps to regenerate energy during high intensity tasks. So, when we are doing exercise, when we're, when we're using our muscles, uh, depending on the intensity of the exercise, the type of the exercise, we can use a few different energy systems, uh, for, for very high intensity work, probably like, you know, for a few seconds in duration, basically lifting, uh, we'll, we'll generally be using the phosphocreatine, uh, system where, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, we, we use up ATP energy. So if we're thinking back to kind of chemistry class, ATP. ATP is basically the, 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 what our body actually uses as energy, right? Um, we, we use ATP for energy and then it's broken down into ADP. So adenosine triphosphate with three phosphates to, um, we, we use that kind of phosphate energy molecule and it becomes ADP, uh, adenosine diphosphate. And the faster that we can um, recycle that ADP back into ATP, get that extra phosphate there, um, the more energy we can produce. Now, let me just say, like, for people listening, like, this is a very coarse, like, I I might be fudging some details. This is a very kind of coarse uh, description. So there's more details that I'm not necessarily getting into. um, But basically, it comes down to the phosphocreatine system, sort of using that ATP and then regenerating that ADP back to ATP. Um, Now, there's other energy systems, like, like, a you know, aerobic energy systems, which is a little bit more kind of like endurance type exercise or, you know, uh, kind of like using glycogen, things like that. But uh, for lifting, we're we're generally going to be using the, uh, or we're going to have reliance on the uh, phosphocreatine system. So what supplementing with creatine does is it helps to increase our stores of phosphocreatine. and if we have more stores of phosphocreatine, uh, the, the phosphocreatine has that phosphate, phospho, has that phosphate group to donate to that ADP that, that we kind of, from ATP to ATP when we used energy to regenerate it back to ATP uh, so that we can sort of basically regenerate the ATP faster. And that basically allows us to exert more energy in this phosphocreatine system and ultimately uh, get an extra rep or an extra two reps or lift slightly heavier, that, that, that kind of thing. So it can improve lifting performance in that way. Um, basically, we want to saturate our muscles phosphocreatine stores so that we have the maximum amount of phosphocreatine uh, possible. So like if you ate, if you consumed like 100 grams of creatine per day, which would be an absurd amount, you would be well, way more than saturating your system. So it's not like a linear kind of thing. You have a certain amount of it and then it kind of plateaus. Um, generally, you can supplement with, you know, three to, this is, again, this is some, some have argued for more, but like kind of the the general recommendation is if, you know, if you're getting three to five grams of of exogenous creatine per day, uh, you know, over the course of like a month or so, you can um, saturate your stores of phosphocreatine and ensure that, that uh, you're getting the most bang for your buck. Uh, So that's basically the, the, again, the, the very coarse overview of it. 
still kind of early for me. My brain's a little bit foggy. So if I did uh, fudge a couple details, I do sincerely apologize. It obviously is a bit more nuanced than how I described it. But that's sort of a general overview. That's kind of why supplementing with creatine. Generally, I'd say three to five grams per day. Some people might might argue for a little bit more, particularly people who have or larger with more lean muscle mass, but generally three to five grams per day, every day. Um, there is also some research out there for, for other benefits, uh, such as cognition, um, not an area of research that I'm too, too, too familiar with, but, but uh, there is some research that particularly as people get older, um, the supplementing with creatine might possibly have some cognitive benefits. We also know that, that the benefits observed with creatine are often more, um, more significant in people who are vegetarian or vegan because they're not eating meat. They're getting less creatine from their diet. They're not eating beef. They're not eating meat to get creatine. So supplementing for them, supplementing with creatine can be extra beneficial. Um, hopefully that wasn't too confusing. You know, with these kind of topics, I toe the line between being really, really, really specific with the details and also not boring people. So hopefully that was somewhat of an accurate <laughs> depiction of how that works and makes some semblance of sense. Well, absolutely. I mean, some of the yeah. things that stood out for me was just, I was like having flashbacks of reading textbooks and stuff and I was like, yeah. Whoa, Whoa, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the good thing though, is that, uh, when somebody hears it from somebody other than the host, then they might take it a bit more seriously. And it's not like I'm like pushing, like I'm not pushing supplements on people, but I just want yeah. people to be enlightened of some of the beneficial supplements that are available that in moderation, the addition of them would not be harmful and holistically quite beneficial. Like I look at it from the standpoint of like, we can think of our energy balance or just like the amount of when we're able to bring our energy balance up higher based on increase of activity, that can be very beneficial to just our lifestyle in general. It can help us just have a higher energy level. It can help us lead a more fulfilling life. It can help us maintain our muscle mass into our old age. And like that, that's fairly straightforward. And it's just been something that's been like at the top of my mind because I've been like, well, like I can, I can help people in all these different ways. And as soon as I, Basically, I want people to understand that if I have a way that I can help them, I'm not going to be quiet about it, and I'll make sure that they know about it. But I'm also going to give them the perspective from somebody else so that they're not just hearing my own biased opinion, but that they'll also kind of hear it from the perspective of somebody that, that can speak more eloquently about it. And then they can go on their own and decide if that's for them. I know for uh, some of my clients have just outright asked me if creatine is harmful, I'm like, no, no, it's not harmful. And especially if it's a moderation. Oh, I have another quick thing um, because people, so generally speaking, and again, we're, we're meant talking about a general population here, not people who have specific health conditions, uh, obviously disclaimer, neither of us are doctors, you know, go, it, we're, this is medical advice or anything, but um, you know, creatine for a general population is extremely safe. It's, it's one of the most well-studied supplements. One thing I often hear is, so I'm sure you've heard before is, ah, it's going to damage my kidneys or kidney, whatever. Um, and again, maybe you've already talked about this to your audience. Um, so I'm sure this is sort of preaching to the choir here. Um, kind of where that comes from. And some medical professionals may also kind of, um, say that and be well-intentioned, but not quite understand. Um, so there's creatine, which is sort of the supplement with, you know, um, and then we have um, serum creatinine, which if you ever, you go to a, a you go to a checkup, they, they check your blood levels of, of different stuff. Oftentimes they'll check your serum creatinine. Um, now serum creatinine uh, is very often elevated in people who have kidney disease. It generally, it's it's one of those markers that pe that they'll generally look at, you know, with with people who have kidney disease. Um, it, it it I believe it's it's used to to estimate glomerular filtration rate GFR. Almost positive it is, but but people will look at, at creatinine, and if if it's an ele someone has an elevated creatinine. Sometimes that can be a sign of kidney damage um, because the, the kidneys basically aren't filtering the, the creatinine properly. Um, you know, so that's that's basically a marker that, that can be looked at along with you know uh, blood urea nitrogen. 
Um, now, when you supplement with creatine, uh, you might make more creatinine um, just because you're, you're kind of breaking the creatine down into to creatinine. Um, that doesn't mean that it's damaging your kidneys. That just means you've got a, you're making more creatinine from creatine and your kidneys are just going to filter it. It's going to be fine. Um, but that might be where some of that kind of confusion comes from with creatinine with a creatine. Oh, is going to harm your kidneys because if it's like, if it increases your creatinine, which it can do even in general population, that, that means it's like, Oh, it's damaging my kidneys. No, it's not. Uh, if you have healthy kidneys, your kidneys will, will, um, take care of this, the extra creatinine and the extra creatine that you're using up just fine. Kidneys can do it. No problem. Um, but it's kind of that, 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 because it's, it, it's affecting this serum marker and this serum marker is often used to assess kidney disease. People kind of misinterpret that. Um, and it, it, you know, so, so that, that, that is actually just something I wanted to bring up to people. Again, you may have already kind of explained that kind of thing, but it's just something to be cognizant of. Definitely. And I think that's important. And it's actually like, this is the first like time I've actually gone down the rabbit hole in creatine on this show. And so we're good. Um, yeah. With that being said, I, I think if, if anybody was still like feeling uncertain, I would bring up this point that if they are implementing it into like a lifestyle change that they're going to go for more walks and they're going to drink more water and eat more vegetables well, it's more likely to benefit those activities and make them easier to maintain. If somebody was living a sedentary life and, and they were not on par with their nutrition at all, then that's where you could start to buy into some of the problematic things of having any supplement. But then it would be the bigger problem would be the, the lack of structure and nutrition and the lack of activity, I would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's getting your, your, your biggest things down first, which is, yeah, of course, not being super sedentary, eating a reasonable diet, with fruits and vegetables and appropriate calorie intake, you know, uh, getting a, a diverse variety of foods to ensure you're hitting your, mac your micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, fiber, water, etc. That all of that stuff comes first before we even talk about supplements. So Absolutely. supplements are like the last, last 5%. Totally. And so with that being said, to kind of keep us on our timeline, um, so every one of my guests, I tend to ask them the same question, just to kind of see like uh, how they tick and what kind of answer they're going to come up with. So the question is, if you were to give me one piece of advice on how to live my life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Don't worry about what others think of you, um, which is probably impossible to do, but if you can uh, live a life that is true to your own values um, and, and you're able to, to, to minimize the effect that others have on your self-worth and, and um, you know, prioritize your actions based on your own values, um, I think that that will really keep you on the right path. Um, and it's a little bit nuanced because obviously you want to kind of take feedback from people when appropriate and improve yourself if it's appropriate. Um, but at the same time, not letting, or I guess I should say, I should say not caring about what others think about you, basically knowing who to listen to and who not to listen to. I should, I should, I should clarify. So, um, not worrying about people who don't matter what they say about you. Yeah, I think that's important. And even if a person writes out on a sticky note, just to remind themselves, because we'll all kind of like fall off the way and like maybe we'll be harder on ourselves at certain points or maybe we'll let things get to us. But if we if we have that little reminder, then that'll be really helpful. Um, so then the next piece of the puzzle here is you're going to give my challenge or my, my audience a challenge. I almost said you're going to give my challenge an audience, but you're going to give my audience a challenge of the day, something that's unique to you that you truly believe that would uh, benefit them either today or a week from now or however it looks for you. Um, write down your why. Why, whatever it is you're, you're aiming for, be it fat loss, muscle gain, powerlifting, 
career goal, any goal that you have, anything that you're striving. First of all, if you're not striving for anything, you should start striving for something. Um, and then whatever it is, why are you doing it? Why do you want to increase your income by X amount of dollars? Why do you want to get a 500 pound deadlift? Why do you want to get a six pack? Why are these goals important to you? If you don't know your why, you're not going to do it. Or it's going to, you're not going to enjoy the process. It's not going to be easy. You're not, well, it's not going to be easy anyway, but it, it, you're, you're going to have a really hard time accomplishing it if you don't know your why. Absolutely. Um, so when people want to learn more about you, aside from your Instagram handle, because that'll be included in the video and also in the uh, description, where else do they find you? Honestly, Instagram is generally the the best place I do have a website, danfeldmanrd.com. If people want to get in touch with me, um, you know, and my email is there too. But really, I would say Instagram is probably the best place for me. Perfect. Um, so I would pretty much just shoot them there. Sounds good. And I'll have that all included. This episode will be published on YouTube. So if people are listening on audio, they can check out the video and see our nice smiling faces. With all of that being said, I'd like to thank you so much for, for joining me on the show. It's been, it's been a pleasure having you. Likewise, it's been a pleasure to be on. Thank you.